Okay, let us pray. Our precious Father, I want to thank you for the privilege we have to share scriptures tonight. We trust you to teach us, trust you to help us to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so today we are going to look at something very, very important in our study of uh, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We remind ourselves the tip for the year is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That is working in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Our team text, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. That's our team text for 2024. But today we are going to look at understanding who you are. It's a human body. It's important that we understand this. Our text is John 3, 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, it is very important for us to identify ourselves properly as Christians. Identify yourself correctly, or it will really affect your relationship with God in a very significant way. You will misuse your parts, the parts of who you are. You use one, it's not supposed to be, and use one for what it's not supposed to be. So there's going to be a kind of confusion. So it will really, really affect your relationship with God and how you benefit from that relationship in a very significant manner. So the whole man in three dimensions, we cannot, if we look at it, we can begin to understand who we are. First Thessalonians 5, verse 12. Thessalonians 5, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's broken. Okay, I have to change the microphone. So we said um, the whole man, we need to look at us holistically so we'll be able to really understand who we are. So the first Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see that Paul lined up properly. Sometimes people mix it, but this, the order is very important. The order is very, very important. He started with the spirit. And as we study, you're going to see that the spirit is very, very important. The spirit, then he measured the soul and the body. In that order, the spirit, the soul, and the body. So each part has definite function, and we cannot use any part for the function that the other is supposed to carry out. If we do that, we're going to get confused, and we're going to really, really hinder ourselves. 
Because it's like if you're using something that's not designed for something, then you're not going to get a result. You're not going to get a result. And because we don't understand these things, we try to do that, and we get, we get frustrated. We really get frustrated. So we need to understand the functions of each part of you so you'll be able to use them properly, and then you'll be able to relate with God more accurately and to your own benefit. For instance, our spirit, we contact the spirit realm and therefore contact God with our spirit. God only deals with your spirit. So you can't try to contact God with your goose pimples or with emotions, which a lot of people do. And it's frustrating because God does not walk in that realm. And you can't try to contact God by your feeling, by your body, which a lot of people do. They try to locate God with how they feel and what they see. And it's not, you can't do that. You can't do that. Because we are not conscious of the spirit part of it, that through which God works. We are not properly identifying ourselves. So it is with our spirit we contact the spirit realm. And therefore, with that, we contact God. God does not deal with your emotions, does not deal with your body directly at all. And then with our soul, we contact the mental world, the intellectual world, mostly. And our spirit, not God, but our spirit teaches us through our mental realm so that the things of God make sense. So with our soul, we contact the mental realm, the intellectual realm. You can contact me intellectually if we're discussing something on which we are intellectually at the same level. So we can, we can, we can contact me at that level and we'll have a discussion. So you see, with our, with our soul, and as we define our soul, you see really that it is with your soul you contact the intellectual world. You contact the physical, I mean the, the mental world, the mental realm. You don't contact the spirit realm directly with your soul. You can only contact the spirit realm with your soul when your spirit educates you, educates your mind about spiritual things. Okay? So, and then the third one is our body. We contact the, the natural world with our body. With our natural senses, we contact the natural world. Our natural senses is not designed to contact the spirit realm. You are not going to contact the spirit realm with your natural eye, natural hand. It's not going to happen. But you see what we're trying to say? A lot of people try to, to locate God with their, sense, with their natural senses. So the Bible says don't do that. Don't walk by sight. Means don't try to contact God by the way you feel. If you have good pimples, you say God is moving. He may not be moving. If those are the things you use, it's going to hinder you because you won't even know when God is doing stuff for you. Because you can only you can only think that unless I feel it, then it's not God. And then when you pray, you think unless you know you have some kind of feeling, then God has not had you. I remember somebody who went to my mentor, and they said they wanted him to pray for her. And she said, what do you want me to pray for? He said, I want you to pray that I will feel that God has forgiven me. Because I've been asking the God to forgive me, but I don't feel like it. He said, no. Now, see, he's trying to contact God, trying to locate God by the body. 
which is not designed to contact the spirit realm. And God is a spirit. You see, this, this is what we do a lot. And we draw zero. So let's look at our, our, our identities, the three parts of us. First is our spirit. We are spirit beings born of God, a spirit personality called the hidden man of the heart. And like we said, it is by your spirit, you really contact the spirit realm. You really contact God. John 3, 6 said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. See, when you are born of the spirit, when you come to Christ, you are born again. You are born a spirit personality. But that spirit personality is neglected. It's completely neglected. We don't even identify ourselves from that point. So you should know that you kind of have two bad days. You have the bad day in which you are born naturally, and you have the bad day in which you are born spirit being. Some Christians do have two bad days. They tell you, oh, this is my spiritual bad day. The day I was born a spirit, I was born again. And they do celebrate it, which is good because it reminds them of who they are. If you, if you identify yourself naturally in the natural world, you should identify yourself spiritually in the spirit realm too. You should. You should because you are born a person. You can't give back to nothing. You are born a spirit personality. And you cannot, you cannot forget, you cannot ignore who you are. It's going to affect you big time. Huge. John 1.12, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They were reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So you see, we are born not in the physical, not in the physical realm. We are born spirit being that from spirit realm. That's why it's only with your spirit you can contact the spirit realm. Only with your spirit, you can contact God. And as we study, we are going to see the importance of knowing this and really, really living by this truth. Now, it's the soul. Now, let, let's talk about the soul. Well, I'm not a theologian by any stretch of imagination. I'm, I'm a licensed, trained Nigerian pharmacist called by God to pastor. So I'm not a theologian. I'm not a uh, professional, whatever, not a psychologist. So we're going to try and look at this from a scriptural point of view. So the soul, the scripture from creation reveals what the soul is to us. I know there are many definitions of soul, but let's look at the Bible and see how the Bible reveals what the soul is to us. When you look at creation, you will see the definition of soul right there. Genesis 2-7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That's the, the first time we see it. Man became a living soul. In 1 Corinthians 15, 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was a living soul. A living soul. Soul that is living. The last Adam was a, spirit, a, a quickening. The last... The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Now, 
as we look at the creation of Adam, you are going to see how, what the soul really means from scriptural point of view. Adam was formed from the earth and had no life after he was formed at all. God formed this man, Adam, and after God formed him, he had no life at all. Let's see it again, Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. At that point, this man formed, had no life at all. Then God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man now became a living soul. So God breathed life into him, and he became a living soul. He, he, he became conscious. He became aware. He, he, became, he began to, dis, uh, to manifest the natural instincts of a living being, of a living human being. So what God did with his first breath, I want to follow me, is that that breath of God is not air. God does not breathe air because God is a spirit. That breath of God is the first time God created the human spirit with his breath. Breath is life. Breath is life. God breathed the human spirit into being into Adam. The first time. So God created the human spirit with the breath, for God does not breathe air. God being the source of life, he created the human spirit by his breath into the earth-formed man. The earth-formed man became the house that houses his spirit. So his spirit gave life to the body. When God breathed into him and that human spirit was formed inside the man, that spirit that was formed gave life to the body, gave life to that earth-formed body. And you are going to see the scripture show us that that's true. So it was the human spirit that gave life to the body that God formed. That human life manifested consciousness, a will, mind, the emotions, which is the characteristic of life of a living human being. So that consciousness and will and mind came because the spirit of man imparted life into his God-formed earth body. Okay, so let's see if it is so confirmed by other scriptures. Look at this one, James 2, 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead. So the scripture tells us that if, the, if your spirit is not there, your body is dead. Which means it's your spirit that gives life to your body. It was the spirit of Adam that God formed when he, that God created when he breathed spirit from spirit. Remember, when we're born again, we're born of the spirit. We are born of God. So Adam received his spirit. The human spirit, the first time from the breath of God inside of him. And because that spirit was there, he now gave life to the earth-formed man. If you remove that spirit of Adam, that earth-formed man will die. Will not have consciousness, will not have, will not have mind, will not have emotion, will die. So the Bible says, for as the body without the spirit is dead. The body without the spirit is dead. If Adam didn't have a spirit of his own, he would die. He would live. 
So what gave him life was that God breathed life and created the spirit in him. The spirit in him gave him that life. Made that life produced consciousness, produced emotions, produced mind, produced awareness. And it is that consciousness, it is that mind that it produced, it is that emotion that is called the soul. A living soul. Now let's see other scriptures along this line. Job 32, 8. I'm reading God's word translation. However, there is in humans a spirit. You see, there is a spirit within people. This is, um, I think this is a um, um, New Living Translation. But this one said, however, there's in humans a spirit, the breath of the Almighty. So you see, that breath of the Almighty in Adam created the spirit. That's what he's saying here. There is in humans a spirit, the breath of the Almighty. So that breath of God into Adam created the human spirit, Adam's spirit. He created Adam's spirit, and he said, which gave them understanding. In New Living Translation, he said, but there's a spirit within people, the breath of the Almighty within them that makes them intelligent. So you can see that when God breathed into Adam, he created that spirit in a man that gives him consciousness, that gives him life, that produces that life. Remember, the book of James said, if that spirit goes, if that spirit leaves, that body dies, it goes back to the earth. So if the spirit of Adam left, Adam will go back to being a male earth, just male earth. But because God created that spirit by his breath, that spirit that gives life to the, to, the, to the body gave life to Adam's body. And life characteristically will manifest in consciousness. If there's cessation of consciousness, if there's cessation of consciousness, then the, mind, the will goes, the mind stops. It's called death. No life. So the definition of soul from creation is that the spirit of man gave life to Adam. And that life manifested in, the, the, in consciousness, in consciousness, in emotion, in mind. And that ability, that, that ability to have consciousness and this is active, is working as his soul. That's the soul of Adam. He called it the living soul. The living soul. That soul is not his spirit. It is his spirit that gave life to his body. And that soul is not his body. It is what his, what his life produces. Because that's the characteristic of a human living person. That's why the Bible said Adam became a living soul. A living soul. A life that is manifesting consciousness, mind of issue can process information. That, that, that ability to process information, all those things about consciousness and mind that is his soul, that's Adam's soul. And it's not his spirit. It is his spirit that gave life to his body. Let me read it again. Maybe if we read it, we'll get it again. James 2.26. For as the body without the spirit is dead. So you see, 
if Adam didn't have spirit, he would be dead. If the spirit leaves you, you are dead. So what God gives you life is your spirit. And that your spirit came from God. And then because you now have life, you have consciousness, which is a natural manifestation of life. Life on its own produces consciousness, produces awareness, produces ability to have emotions. And then because it gave life to you, to your body, it gave you, you have life so you can have emotions, you can have. So that, that's center of your life that, that works to make you have emotions and things is your soul. Again, Job, Job 32.8 says, however, there is in humans, humans, a spirit, the breath of the almighty. That breath was what God breathed in Adam and produced that spirit he's talking about. The breath of the almighty that gives them understanding, that gives them awareness, gives them consciousness. It is that spirit that produces that life in them, and that life begins to manifest in being conscious, in being aware. I mean, so that that awareness, that that ability to produce a, a consciousness, and that 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 consciousness and awareness, and all of that activity is together the soul of a man. Let's see other definitions of the soul. Just want you to know that your soul is not your spirit. And your soul is not your body. They are all different. And then, because you see, because the soul is is consciousness, you know, your your mind, emotions, and things. You use it now to contact the mental world. You contact the mental world. If I'm talking to you, your own consciousness contacts my consciousness. You are conscious of what I'm saying. I'm conscious of your response. You see, we are using our consciousness to now contact each other. Using your consciousness, and are using my mind to process what they're saying. You are using so your soul is to contact the mental realm. That's what it is for. Again, like I said, I'm not a theologian. I'm not a professor of psychology. I'm just reading Bible. So other definitions of the soul here, the, the Bible for America post, there's a Bible for America post, which is a, a Christian organization that posts uh, teachings. They define the soul as your soul is where your mind and will and emotions live. That's exactly <laughs> your, li your life is where it is. It's, your life is the thing producing it. So your life makes you have, have will, have mind, have emotions. So that's your soul. Then Wikipedia, surprisingly, I went to wikipedia.org. Surprisingly, Wikipedia. I don't know if I pronounced it properly. It's Wikipedia now. Let me see the definition of soul from Wikipedia. Their definition brings in something very interesting. They say the only Hebrew word traditionally translated soul is nefash. In English language Bibles, refers to a living, breathing, conscious body. This is what I've been saying. That is what it is. Your spirit gave you consciousness. If you don't have consciousness, you are not alive. You're, you're dead. You're gone. Or you're in coma. If you don't have consciousness, you don't have a will. You don't have emotions. You don't have anything. But when you come back to life, you regain it. So it's life that produces all of that. So they said that, that the, the, the soul is... Um, 
refers to a living, breathing, conscious body, rather than an immortal soul. So it's not like some people think that your soul is uh, immortal. No. Because, you see, when your life ceases, your soul ceases. Because it's your life that gave you consciousness. When you die, you don't have consciousness. You're gone. So it's not an immortal soul. And that's what Wikipedia is saying. That it's just a living, breathing, conscious body. Rather than being an immortal soul. The only immortal part of you is your spirit. Now, there is, I want to deal with something. Because you see, in the world in which we live, there are a lot of things popping up in churches. Which we must, we must talk about. Do animals have a spirit? Because we see some people are baptizing animals, even giving them holy coming. And then say animals have spirit sentence. And they quote scriptures backwards. Do animals have a spirit in them? Emphatically, no. Absolutely no. For the fact that God never breathed spirit in them. They don't have spirit. Adam had spirit because God breathed that spirit in him. The Bible said there's a spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty. So animals don't have the spirit of God, so they don't have a spirit in them. They were simply created by the word of God. And because of the word of God, life came to them. But they don't have spirit. Look at how they were created. Genesis 1.24. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after its kind, cattle, creeping things, Beast of the earth after its kind. And there was so a period. God did not breathe into them. So they don't have the spirit that is a man. They don't have the spirit that's a man, which is the breath of the Almighty. They don't have it. They have life because the word of God gave them that life. The word of God made them come forth. But they don't have the spirit. Now there's this one popular scripture that they use. They use it to give animals holy communion and baptize animals. Ecclesiastes 3.18, I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men that God might manifest them and that they might see that they, they themselves are beasts. For that, that which befallet the sons of men befallet beasts. Even one thing befallet them, as the one died, so died the other. Yea. They have all one breath, so that a man had no preeminence over a beast, for all is vanity. All go into one place, and all are dust, and all turn to dust again. That's true. Because man was formed from dust, animals came from dust. So when your spirit leaves, your body goes back to the dust. And because animals also, when they die, they go back from where they came from. So he said, he said, he said, he said, humans and animals die. That life is not, that we should think of something more important to do in life. That, you know, all this, doing this is all vanity. Because one day you will die just like animals die. That's what he's saying. Let's continue. To, can you give me a New Living Translation in this one? Ecclesiastes 3.18, New Living Translation. You have it, Ecclesiastes 3.18, New Living Translation. Otherwise, I continue reading. Okay. I, I also thought about the human condition. How God proves to people that they are like animals. Not that they have spirit, but they are like animals. 19. Verse 19. For people and animals share the same fate. Both breathe and both must die. 
So people have no real advantage over the animal. How meaningless? 20. Both go to the same place. They came from dust, they returned to dust, which is true. Absolutely true. 21. For who can prove that the human spirit goes up and the spirit of animals goes down into the earth? See, when they read they say, see, animals have spirit. No. No, no, no. It's just asking a hypothetical question. It's not making a statement that animals have spirit. It said, well, the human spirits go up, but animal spirits maybe go down. I was talking about this animal life because he said it goes into the earth. Animals go to the earth. They're not going to heaven. And he made it clear here that the human spirit goes up, but the animal spirit, which means animal's life, goes down. Animal's life goes to the earth. Spirits don't go to the earth. Spirits don't go to the earth. They are not of this physical world. Animals don't have spirit. When they die, all they can do is act. That's where they end. And animals cannot be born again because they don't have spirit. They can't be born again. This is what people teach in some places. And they baptize animals, give them holy communion. Happening, real life. Jesus did not die for animals. They don't have any spirit to be redeemed. Hebrew 2.14, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death, 15. Only in this way could he set free all who have, who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the son of that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help descendants of Abraham. Animals are not descendants of Abraham. They are not. 17. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would make take away the sins of the people, not sins of animals. Since he himself has gone through suffering, testing, he's able to help us when we are being tested. He says, for only as, he said, let me read verse 14 again, because God's children are human beings. He came for human beings, not animals. Human beings, made of flesh and blood. The son also became flesh and blood. So he came to help human beings, not animals. Not animals. So let's put that aside. Our, now, we talked about this, the, uh, our spirit. It came from God when we got born again. We talked of our soul. It came when, when, when God created the human spirit, and the human spirit gave life to the body that Adam's body formed. Because the Bible said the, spirit, the body without the spirit is dead. So, and the Bible says that there's a spirit in men, which is the breath of the Almighty, which gives it intelligence, which gives it awareness. So our soul came because our spirit gave life to that, that art-formed being and life characteristically manifests in consciousness so that our soul is a result of life. That's why the Bible called Adam a living soul. And God identified Adam 
that way because there's going to be another creation in which God will recreate man anew, create his spirit and now identify him as a living spirit. So God was not confused. He knew why he said, this is a living soul. Because he knew that this man will fall. And that the new creation will come. In which the human spirit will be reborn. And created to be like God, in which God will now live. So we are now called sons of God. And God is called the father of spirits. So now let's now deal with um, our body. Our body is easy to understand. Our body is the physical house that houses our spirit. Our spirit personality that is born again. It is not your soul. It is not your spirit. Your body is not your soul. Your body is not your spirit. Second Corinthians 5. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down. See, cause the body, the earthly tent is taken down. That is when we die and leave this earthly body. We will have a house in heaven. Who is living this earthly body? It's your spirit that gave it life. So when your spirit leaves, the body dies. And your spirit leaves this earthly body. We have a house in heaven. An eternal body made for us for God, by God himself, not by human hands. See, so this, this body houses our spirit. That's what I've been saying. That it's your spirit that gave life to your, to your art-formed body. And then your, that, that life produced, consciousness produced, your mind produced emotions and all stuff like that. And that, that your mind, emotions, that activity that takes place in, it, it's your soul, it's your soul activity. It, it's called your soul, that's your soul activity. That's the soul of a man. So your body houses your spirit. Now, remember where we started. You cannot use, you cannot misuse your parts of you. Your, your soul, which, which is really your, your, your consciousness, your mind and everything, your intellect, is to contact natural, natural uh, uh, realm, natural uh, uh, intelligence. That's what you use it to, to contact. You don't use it to, it's not contacting God. It's not contacting God because God's word is spirit. It's you don't use it to contact God directly. You use it to contact only the mental realm, human mental, we are talking mental realm to mental realm. That's the use. So you don't, use, you don't use it to really contact God directly, like I said. But your spirit, it is through your spirit that God uses, uses your spirit to contact your mind. Because it's your spirit that gave life to, to your body. Neither do you use your body to contact God. And people do this a lot. And nothing happens and they are frustrated.
But before I, I, before I go into uh, the use of the spirit to contact God and things, let me talk about our responsibilities. Our spirit is of God, has the life of God in it, and it's fine. God lives in there, it's created naturally to be like God, with the life of God, so it's okay. God has done a great job there. God owns it. God lives there. That's the house of God that God said, I'm going to build for myself a place of habitation. So God lives in your spirit. Your spirit is fine. It has the nature of God. Jesus lives there. So it's fine. Now, but we have the responsibility to deal with our soul. I have the responsibility to deal with our body. This is what the Christian must know. If you, don't, if you don't carry out your responsibility to your soul, your soul will not develop. It will not develop spiritual things. And if your soul does not develop, you will be ignorant. You will be spiritually ignorant. And if you don't realize your responsibility to your body, your body will be ruling you and you will be bothering God. Praying to God. But God says, no, you take responsibility over your body. Because I've empowered you to do that. Now let's read the Bible. Dealing with our soul. That's my responsibility. That's your responsibility. Remember that your soul is your center, center of your intelligence and everything. And it's your spirit that gave life to your body. And that produces your ability to be conscious of intelligence. So it's your spirit that educates that your soul. Because it gave life to your body. So it's educating it. As God educates your spirit, your spirit educates your mind. Educates your mind. That's why if you are, okay, we we'll see in scripture. But let's read this one. Dealing with your soul. James 1.21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of nothingness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul, which is able to educate you. Educate you in that your mental, what you use to contact mental world, this, your spirit will make spiritual things make sense to you. But if you are not educating it, you become ignorant. And the Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If you are not educating your mind, if you are not developing it, you will be ignorant. And devils will take advantage of your ignorance and deal with you. You see why this is very important that we know them. It's your responsibility to develop your mind. It's your responsibility to educate your mind with spiritual realities. That through, through your spirit, God will make known and make spiritual realities make sense to your mind. And you know them. But it's your job to study to show yourself approved, a workman that needed not to be ashamed. If you are not doing that, you will be, you will be, you will be in ignorance, completely ignorant. Now, let's talk about dealing with our body. Again, it's my responsibility and your responsibility to deal with your body. It will help if we know these things. That's why I say we should know, have your proper identity and know what functions your past, past of you do. So you don't misuse use one for what it doesn't do. And you get confused. Look, look at Romans 6.12. Do not let sin control the way you live. Whose job is it? Is it God or you? Is it not, your, is it not my, me? 
It's telling you you should control your body. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. It's your responsibility. There's no way you say, yeah, start praying to God. No, God says you can do You can do all things. You can, I've given you the power. You can, you, as we read for that, you're going to see it. You can do all things. You can do all things. So it's my responsibility. There's no point bothering God and bothering somebody else when I'm not carrying out my responsibility. Do not let sin control the way you live. It's my job. It's your job. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. That's my job. That's your job. That's our responsibility. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. Who gives it? I give. You give your own. It's our responsibility. said for you we are dead but now you have new life so use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God do it sin is no longer your master for you you no longer live under the requirements of the law instead you live under the freedom of God's grace sin is no more your master because sin that was in your spirit has been has been taken off by circumcision and you have you now have Jesus sitting in your spirit sitting in your spirit. And he said, I'm supplying this strength now to do all things. So you can see that we have responsibility over our soul, what to do with it, and over our body. Romans 12, 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. See? It's my job, it's your job. Give your bodies to God. Because of all he has done for you. So if I'm not giving it, there's nobody praying to God and bothering God about it. it I, the reason I'm not doing it is because I don't recognize, I don't see the, my whole, myself in the holistic picture that I have a body I need to take care of. I have a soul I need to take care of. If you don't know these things, you don't know who you are. I have a body I need to control, and I have, a, I have, I have my mind I need to feed. I need to feed. He said, he said, I need to save it from all the information it has that's not in line with the word of God. I need to do that. That's my responsibility. He says, he says, let, he said, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. When we surrender, remember, worship is not really just singing on this. Worship is surrendering yourself to God. That's true worship. Worship is total bowing, total surrender. And it's me that out of my free will that we have to bow, you do the same. You say, this is truly the, the way to worship him. Two, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. It's my job to do that. It's your job. To watch what you're watching on television, what you're watching on the internet, if you're watching pornography, stop it. Because it's, it's what they do in this world. It's what they do in this world. It's, why don't you watch God's television? God's television is Bible. You read Bible, the Holy Spirit will show you, you, be, you may you be in another world.
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You see, now, that's my responsibility, to allow God to change the way I think by taking, feeding myself the word of God. Feeding myself the word of God. The, my spirit now begins to educate, educate my mind. Educate my, my mind about what God's will is and the things of the kingdom. So I begin to think in line with that. If nobody, this, these are primary responsibilities with ourselves. Now let's talk about, let's go and focus on our spirit. Because we've talked about our spirit, we're born again, talked about soul. It came from the life that your spirit gave you. And then because of that life, you have consciousness, you have your mind, you have emotion. And the Bible said, if that spirit lives, if the spirit lives, your body dies. The consciousness dies, emotion it dies, mind dies. So you see why the spirit is primary in your life. That's why Paul put it first. He said, the whole, your whole spirit, your soul, and your body. The spirit is primary in our lives. Now, remember, we need to be therefore spirit conscious. It will help us to live Christian life to the fullest and have great intimacy with the Holy Spirit, who is spirit, who is spirit, who is not dealing with your intellect directly, is not dealing with your body directly, is not dealing with it directly. Let's remember that God does not deal with our soul and our body directly. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It is with our spirit we contact the spirit realm of God, not our soul, not our body, not the natural things at all. First Corinthians 2, 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. See, so it is by your spirit you know what God is doing. And your spirit will now educate, educate your mind. Now verse 13. These things we also speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So it's not what human wisdom teaches. Then verse 14. Remember, this 14 will tell us something very important. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Your body is natural. Your mind is natural. Because it's coming from your natural life. They don't receive the things of God. Only your spirit receives the things of God. And educates your mind. They don't receive. That's why the Bible says you don't know God with wisdom, with human wisdom. You can't. And the scripture says the things of God are spiritually designed. So, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them. See, he can't. Only when he has that spirit, the, when he's born again, his spirit can now educate him. Without that spirit in him, if he does have the spirit of uh, this new life, this new spirit we have, he can't educate himself about the things of God. Remember, we say that we, we are born again, we are born of the Spirit, and we have a new life now. 
we have a new spirit in which Christ lives, in which God lives. We're talking about the Christian. And you should know and, and be spirit conscious. Because that's the part of you that receives from God. That's the part of you that knows what God is. Now, if you don't know and recognize that is there, and that's the part of you that does this, is, you are likely to be using these other parts that don't receive from God and be frustrated. I'm telling you people, you'll be frustrated. Because we're walking by sight, walking by our feelings, trying to figure out this and figure out that. All those things don't receive nothing. He said, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. It is spiritually understood. So now if we know that it's with your spirit to contact God, it's with your spirit to receive from God, it's with your spirit to know things that God is doing, then you can be conscious of how you relate with God. It's not by your it's not by your intellect, it's not by your body. So whatever your body is telling you, you disregard it. Because it doesn't know, it doesn't know anything about God. The only thing you listen to is what your spirit is telling you. If we are not spirit conscious or conscious of our spirit identity, we miss the person God is dealing with and try to contact God by emotions and reasoning, feelings, all those good spempers, and fail woefully. Unfortunately, that's how people want to think that God is working with them. So if, if, if there is no good spempers, they think God has not done anything. If they pray, they don't believe God has answered. Unless, unless they felt something, some shaking. <laughs> They're trying to contact God with what God said you don't contact me with. Many do that, and they're stuck. If you know you contact with your spirit, then you won't be looking to goose You won't be looking to feelings. You won't be looking to how you feel after you prayed. You'll be looking to what God said. Because that's what the spirit of God is talking to your spirit about. What did God say about prayer? And that will give you enough, that will be enough for you to know that this is what God is saying. Because if you go by your body and by your, and by your senses, you think God is, didn't hear you. You think God didn't, it's not, in fact, you think you are backsliding. So we try to locate God and confirm God by what the things God said, they don't receive from me, they don't know me, I don't contact you through them. Instead of by our own spirit. And our spirit is alive, very much alive. Here are the facts we must know. Jesus lives in your spirit and works for you through your spirit. You must know it. Jesus lives right now, if you are a Christian, Jesus lives in your spirit and works for you through your spirit. 1 John 4.4 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus lives in you, not in your body, not in your emotion. Don't try to look for Jesus there. It's in your spirit. You don't have to feel him. 
don't have to reason it. It's right there in your spirit. And you know it. You have the witnessing in you that is there. Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all ages, world without end. You see, you see, you see, God works for you. Well, listen to this. God works for you through the power that is in you. Most of the time, we are looking for God to work from outside. And God said, no, I walk through the power that is in you. My spirit in you is working for you. So now, if we know that, we're not going to be looking for what God is doing from outside, from what I say. What, no, you know it's working. It's working inside. It's working. Man, he says, according to the power that worketh in you, you must know that God is working in you, not outside. Yeah, we can, we can touch you from, you know, somebody touches you, but he's saying, God says, I am working in you. I have a power, and I'm working according to that power that is in you. Don't look outside. Guidance is through our spirit, not the flesh or emotions. Romans 8, 16. The spirit is a bearing witness with our spirit. Every, our spirit is what God contacts and works with. But that's what we don't even recognize that we have and that we are. And we don't look to it. We are not, we are not God inside minded. We are, not, we are not even born again. We don't even know that we are born again. It doesn't even make any meaning. Maybe they go to church. The spirit is a bearing witness with your spirit. The witness about what God is doing is done by the Holy Spirit to your spirit. First Corinthians 2, 13. Which things also we speak, not in the word which man's wisdom teaches. So man's, man's wisdom does not teach you what God is doing. Your intellect cannot teach you what God is doing. But which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Your intellect can't teach you what God is. Your mental ability can't teach you what God is. It is the Holy Spirit that teaches your spirit. And your spirit will communicate it to your mind. But we don't look inside. Most of the time we're looking outside, looking at other people. <laughs> is God moving? Let's see whether God is moving. God moving. Did anybody fall down? You just waste your time. The human faculty can only see natural things because it's designed for you to use your body to contact the natural world and then your mind to contact the mental realm. That's what it's designed for. Matthew 16, 23, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from human point of view, not from God. You naturally see things from human point of view. But your spirit will see things from God's point of view. But do we look in, do we look in what's, do we listen to our spirit? Do we know it's there? That's the point.
First Corinthians 2.21, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. So why are we wasting our time? God said, you never know me through human wisdom. I didn't design your mental realm, your soulish realm to contact me. So don't use it. You're not going to know me through that. It is your spirit that will know me, and your spirit will now, it, your, your life, can, if that spirit, when it leaves, you are gone. So that, that spirit gives you life. That spirit will educate you. Healing is from within. Surprising. God said, I walk according to the power that is in you. That power, is the, it will heal you. That power. I said, I walk according to that power. I didn't put that power there to be, to be doing Christmas. It's, it's there to do things for you. I'm walking from within. I live there. I'm there. You overcome this one because the greater one is in you, not because it's outside. Romans 8, 11. For if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, you see? It's in you. It's working in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. He said, if this spirit of Christ dwells in you, he will give life to your mortal body. It was the heals you through from within. Oh, it's healing you from within. Continue, it's flowing. I asked a question one day. I said, people thought the him, God healed. You carry him inside. Which one is more powerful? You that carry him inside or somebody thought the, the him of cloth? But we're not aware. We don't appropriate it. We don't look at it. We don't believe it. We're always looking to the outside. Come to church, you're looking what's happening there. Stop looking around, my friend. They see you. He said, the spirit of you that raised Jesus Christ lives in you, then that spirit is giving life to your mortal bodies. It's working according to that power in you, giving you healing. And faith is of the spirit. Faith is not of your intellect. It's not of, remember, the natural things cannot know God, cannot receive from God. So you cannot believe God, nothing. Only your spirit can believe God. Romans 10, 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confessions is made unto salvation. So what is the heart? First Peter 2, 4. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. It's called the hidden man of the heart, which is the spirit in you, the born again spirit in you, the spirit that came from God that is in you, the new man you have. And we can only receive through our spirit, not our natural body. I read it before now. First Corinthians 2, 14. But the natural man received not the things of the spirit of God. So if the natural man, can, if the natural faculties can receive the things of God, what's the use trying to use them to receive, to indicate when I've received? Why don't I know that my spirit has received this because the Bible says so? I'll give it to me. God says so. I have it. I don't have to authenticate it by my, my feelings or anything. Authenticated from the truth of the Bible. That's why you educate your mind. You educate your mind. So the natural man received not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he even know them, because they are spiritually designed. They are spiritually understood. Your spirit is the only spirit part of you that does spiritual things. 
The only spirit part of you. That born again spirit. Now, living the Christian life is by our spirit too. Because it's the spirit of Christ who lives in us, and his life is native to our spirit personality. Romans 7, 6. But now we have been released from the law. So it's not by the laws. It's not, no, it's not, more, it's not more by laws. Friends, let me tell you, you can't change by laws. You can only change by knowledge. We've been released from the law. For we died to it it's a long time and no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God. Not in the old way of obeying the letters of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. Your spirit has to have dominance over your life. Because that's one that has, is born again, that has the life of Christ in it. That's one that has, has the, the spirit of Christ living in him. We live, we live today by our spirit, not by obeying the laws. No, your spirit needs to be the one that is dominant in your life and in my life. Philippians 2.13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. You see, God is working in us all the time to help us to will and help us to do his good pleasure. He's working, not from our side. Stop looking for him from our side. Start being God-inside-minded and start being conscious of your spirit being, your identity. Stop stop. Look, when you start this thing, you realize that you are going to see that you are going to receive a lot from God. Because you are going to realize that okay, I have it, I have it, it's my, the Bible said I have it in my spirit, I don't have to feel it. You are going to realize that a lot of things will start happening for you which was not happening before. Easy. Ephesians 4, 7. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. For this light within you, this life, this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. It's coming from within. The light is Christ. It's coming from within. The life is surging from within. It's not surging from outside. Galatians 5, 16. This I said then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh. For the flesh lusted against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things you would, 18. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law now. If you are led of the spirit, he will teach you the truth. He will lead you into all this truth. Not to laws. He will teach you the truth. He came to lead you into all the truth. And the truth is found in Christ. You are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. These are the things that the flesh does. It is native to your flesh. So your flesh cannot serve God. You can't serve God with your flesh. All this I'm going to do, this, it's not, not going to work. You're not going to serve God with your flesh. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness. These are the things that the flesh, that is the natural life of your natural life, natural body. You can't use it to, it's impossible. Only your spirit doesn't have this character. Because it's born again, it has the life of Christ. The natural part of you, this is the life of it. Verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, you see? Fruit, it's not work. 
It's not work, it's fruit. It's what comes because of life within. Jesus is the vine and is flowing from within you and producing this fruit of the spirit. Not, not your body, not your intellect. Fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the life of God in you is coming from your spirit and is showing. So we serve God by our spirit. This life of God is not what is produced by your flesh. It's first of all produced by your spirit. And your spirit communicates these things to your mind. It becomes your dominant, dominant thinking, dominant faith thing, dominant what you believe and you see it. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are, are, are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affection and laws, 25. If we live in the spirit, if we, are, if we are really spirit beings, let us now walk in the spirit. If we are spirit beings, we are born again. Let's now walk the spirit life. Let my spirit be dominant. Let your spirit be dominant. Because this is the character of your spirit. The character that Christ imparts in it. The character of Christ. Because it was created to be like Christ. It has the life of Christ. It comes from your spirit. It doesn't come from your flesh. It doesn't come from your intellect. If you don't identify yourself properly, you will try to serve God by how good you are and how good. It's worth of time. You'll be trying to serve God by how good you are and not worth of time, my friend. It's called self-righteousness. It's filthy right. And so it's a work of faith. Look at what Paul said in Second Corinthians 5.14. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life now. You see, it's a matter of educating your mind. The spirit will lead you to all truth. It will lead you to who you are now, what has happened to you. It will lead you not to the law. Moses brought law. Christ brought us the truth. The spirit will lead you to all truth, which is revealed in Christ. Either way, Christ's love controls us since we believe that Christ died for all. We also believe that we have all died to our old natural life. Do you believe you have a new life? Have you been educated to believe you have a new life? He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So it's, it, it's those who receive this new life are able to live this kind of life because it is the character of the new life. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Now see, how do you see yourself now? Is it from a human point of view or God's point of view? The natural man does not see anything from God's point of view. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a new creature? Do you see yourself as a spirit being in whom Jesus lives and his power is working in you from God's point of view? Or do you see yourself as a natural human being struggling with this? struggling with that, trying to be better, trying to be that, which anybody can be trying to be better. It doesn't have to be a Christian. So Paul says, 16, so we have stopped evaluating others from human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from human point of view too. How differently we know him now. So how do you know Christ now? 
What's the difference? What, does, what difference does Jesus make in your life? What difference does he make in your life? Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Amazing. Yet not I. Paul said, it's not me living anymore. But Christ lived in me. See, he said, I know that Jesus lives in me. He's at work in me. According to the power that worketh in me. To, to help me to will and to do. So his all focus is in me. In me. In me. In me. In me. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. In me. In me. In me. Christ is in me. Christ, the hope of glory. He lives in me. His power is in me. His life is in me. He gave me a new life. The life is in me. Identifying himself with his new nature. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I just exercise faith like he exercised faith. I just trust him, trust everything he said. That's all I live. If he said this is who I am, that's who I am. I don't have to prove on it. I don't have to make it happen. Verse 21 said, I do not frustrate. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ died in vain. Now, we serve God with our spirit too. And we worship God with our spirit. This is amazing. Look at Romans 1.9. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. Paul was always identifying himself as a born-again person that has a spirit in him that is born again. Everywhere he's talking, he's talking about by my spirit. By my spirit, Christ lives in me. Christ is my life. Christ is everything. The power that walketh in me. He's not talking about anything outside, anything outside, anything Paul is doing. No, no, he said Christ is the one. I don't live, it's Christ. He lives in me. I serve him by my spirit. My spirit and my life. My spirit, I identify myself by my spirit. I am born of God. The old life is gone. He said, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. With my spirit. Conscious of who he is. Conscious of the spirit identity he has. This spirit identity, this spirit personality is the one that receives from God. You Look, you receive everything through him. And you know when you receive. If you train yourself to identify him and, and, and not ignore him, you will know cheaply when God tells you something. It's so easy. And you begin to realize, that, oh my God, this is very active now. You will know when you are receiving something from God. I'm not kidding. You will know. <clears throat> if you are praying, you will know. If you are healed, you will know before even you see it in the body because this body is not what, what confirms what God is. Your spirit will confirm it. You witness for you. You will know it. Oh, I've got it. I've got it. And sometimes your spirit will tell you things that will surprise you. But we neglect him. We don't even know he's there. Don't even remember our burning. And that's the part that deals with God. Now, when you neglect him, you are left with only your body now and your intellect and that. Why shouldn't you fail? Are you supposed to use them to contact God? Paul said, I serve God by my spirit. I know who I am. Philippians 3, for we worship by the spirit of God 
For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, natural things. We don't trust it. Don't trust my feeling, don't trust nothing. Nothing. Put no confidence in that. We rely on what Christ has done. So that's how we worship in the Spirit. We worship with the Spirit of God. We have communion with him in worship. Because we are following his leading into all truth. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So let's talk about healing. One of the major hindrances to healing, and I said it on Sunday, and it bears repeating, because that's a major problem for a lot of Christians, is the issue of righteousness. Again, how do you see yourself now? That's a big question now. The issue of being accepted by God. Many people struggle with this issue of righteousness. I do not believe the word of God in this regard. Why? They do not know of the righteousness of God, and they are steadily looking for what to do apart from what Christ has done to achieve righteousness, to be accepted by God so that they receive healing, to receive answers to their prayer. It's not going to work. Then we end up being like Romans 10, three people. For they, they've been ignorant of God's righteousness, completely ignorant of God's giving righteousness. And going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Once you believe in Christ Jesus, you don't need the law to be counted righteous. You get that righteousness of God as a gift, period. The Bible says God is the end of the law for righteousness. The law ceases to be means of righteousness. Righteousness comes to you only by faith in Christ Jesus. So when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God, God accepts you. It's unthinkable that you believe in the Lord Jesus and God will not accept you. It's unthinkable. So why did Jesus die? He died to bring us to the Father. To make us sons of God. What must I do to be saved? Say, only believe. And you shall be saved. These are not church jargons. These are realities. Friends, you can't pay for your sin. Forget about it. You are not going to act yourself into contention with God. The only thing that pleases God is faith. You want to please God? Faith. Without faith, you can't please him. Impossible. Believe what he said. He's the one walking. He's the one doing everything. He's the one that makes you holy, makes you righteous. He's the one. God is the one that makes you holy. God is the one that makes you righteous. God is the one that makes you who you are. He's the one walking in you to will and to do. Which one are you doing? Let me read Romans 10 from verse 1, a New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, like many people do have today. But it is misdirected zeal. See, they're very enthusiastic. It's misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. They don't know how God makes people right with himself. They don't know how God accepts you. They don't know how God makes you righteous. They don't know it. He says, so all their zeal, all the things they are doing is misdirected zeal because they are trying to achieve what only God gives you. 
So all that zeal and effort is misdirected. It says misdirected because of ignorance. Can it be possible that it's happening today? Sleepless nights doing this, we won't sleep. Why are you doing all of that? For what Christ has already died to give you. For they don't, they, verse 3, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Is it possible that's happening today? For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. It's as simple as that. If you believe in him, you are made right with God. Healing is yours. You have access to God. Faith in Christ gives you all this. If, if you can get it on your own by what you do, so why did Christ come? Paul said, if righteousness come by the law, that Christ died in vain. He died to make us righteous. Look, look at Isaiah 53, verse 11. New Living Translation. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. Why? And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. That's why you are counted righteous, because he bore your sins. It's not because you, you acted yourself into contention with God. Forget about it. And Paul rejected this self-righteousness thing. Outright. Because he said, all these people trying to make God accept them by all the zeal is misdirected zeal is waste of time. They're ignorant of how God accepts people. It's just by faith in Christ who paid for their sins. Otherwise, then the cross is waste of time. Philippians 3 says, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, listen to this. As for righteousness, trying to achieve righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. That's a, that's a standard. Without fault, seeking acceptance by God, by this. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Because Christ is the one that gave me righteousness. He said, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could now gain Christ. I became one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. He said, I stopped all that obey the law without fault. I thought that that's why God will accept me. That's why God will count me righteous. He said, I realized, no, it won't work. He said, Christ is the way to God. It's not that, that's not the way to God. God doesn't have two ways to him. Nobody coming to the Father except through Christ. You can't create another way, which is your own goodness. No, you can't create another way. And if you don't know the way to God, you're not going to be experiencing God's work in your life. And it is this, this part of God that keeps you. You are no more under the law. You are under grace. He said, therefore, sin can't rule over you anymore. He, the Bible says those who have accepted, received this gift of righteousness, they reign over sin. Because now you begin to enjoy the power of God in you, begin to believe all the things that God is doing you, the new life you have, the new creature you have, because you know they are all yours and they begin to walk. You see the spirit of the life of Christ surging out of you without effort. 
God is the one that makes you holy. Let me repeat it again. And God is the one that makes you righteous. God is the one. Without Christ, you can do nothing in this world. Zero. Zero. Second Corinthians 5 to 12. For he, he had made him to be seen for us, who knew no sin. Why? That, he might be, that we, you and I, be made a righteousness of God in him. That's how he made us righteous. Jesus bore our sins. He made him to be seen, who knew no sin. So that you and I, you and I, cannot be counted righteous. It's not by law anymore. We are counted righteous because Christ was made sin for you. The Bible says Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. It does, it's no more by that means. Because without Christ, we can't go to God. Without Christ, you can't. And if you know this, you can receive your healing easily. You are accepted by God. You, you are qualified for the healing now. You are. You are. Bible says, not of you that run it, that will it, but God that showed mercy. God decided to show us mercy in Christ Jesus. Why is, are you quarreling with that? Why don't you accept it? I want to go and show off God and show how good you are. Paul says, misdirected zeal, waste of time. He said, concerning the law, I was perfect. But I realized that, that God won't accept me through that because only through Christ will God accept me. So he said, oh, that is junk. So he said, now, I live by faith in Christ. And that's the way God will accept me because he died for my sins. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, if we take away that block, if you can take away that block, then you can easily, with joy, this moment, this moment, receive your healing. Experience your healing. Thank God for your healing. Because God is the one that made you righteous. God counted you righteous because Jesus had borne your sins. Paul said the way that God makes us righteous is by faith in Christ. Do you have faith in Christ? Then you are righteous before God. That's, what, that's the testimony of Scripture. And if you are acceptable before God, then all the blessings of God are yours. Don't let the devil talk you out of this thing. Because you keep trying to now achieve it, you will never be able and keep postponing your healing and it's getting worse and worse and worse. But if you believe it now, that Christ, Christ gave you the gift of righteousness because he died for your sins, paid the price for you, what other price do you want to pay? Receive it by faith. Take it, it's all yours. And look at Isaiah 53, verse 3. We tell you exactly what is yours. What is yours? Man, look at how God gave us healing. Isaiah 53, verse 3. He is despised and left of me, a man of pains and acquainted with sickness. He's talking about Jesus. And as one hiding the face from us, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Quit me. While we were yet sinners, he was doing this. We didn't esteem him. We despised him. We, didn't even, we were enemies in our heart. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's what he's saying. He was despised. Left of men. We abandoned him. We didn't care about him. A man of pains and acquainted with sickness. And as one hiding the face from us, he was despised twice. Use the word despised. We did not even esteem him. We didn't care about him. But verse 4, verse 4, we show you the mercy of God. Surely, 
it's these people who did not esteem him more. Why were ye sinners to die for us? He didn't wait for us to be better. No, he died because we were sinners. He died for us. Surely, our sickness he had borne. He bore us. Even they didn't esteem him. Why? He bore our sins. Bore our sickness. Why we were ye sinners? Why we were ye? Why we didn't esteem him? Why we didn't even look at him? Why we are sinners? He did all of this. Surely our sicknesses had borne and our pains he had carried them. Think God is lying. And we, we have esteemed him plagued. We think he was plagued because of what he did. Same thing, he was plagued. He was smitten of God. Think of it. That he was smitten of God himself. God was the one that the Bible says he was smitten of God. God smitten, smiting, smiting, smiting. He was smitten of God. And afflicted. And he is pierced for our transgressions. <laughs> God made him to be seen, so he'll be righteous. He was pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the transcendent of our peace on him. And by his bruise, there is healing to us right now. Right now, the healing is yours, the healing is mine. Right now, as I'm talking, the offer is there. Take it and say, yes, Lord, it's mine. Again, you don't contact God by your flesh. Don't contact God by your intellect and start looking whether the pain is good. No, 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 no. You contact God by your spirit. You believe faith is of the spirit. That's why your body does not understand what you are believing, I will give you trouble. It will give you trouble. You say, what are you believing? It's not working. No, your body will give you trouble because it doesn't understand the things of God. But your spirit knows it. I have that witness in you that this word of God is true and that it is yours. Then you stand with your spirit. Let me read verse 6. All of us, like sheep, have won that. You see? All of us. You can't be righteous by your this, my friend. All of us have wondered. Each to his own way. We have all turned. Come and show God how righteous you are. We have all turned. And Jehovah has caused to meet on him. The punishment of all of us. All of us. The punishment for our sins. God laid it on him. It had been exerted, and he has answered it. He opened not his mouth as a lamp to the slaughter he is brought, and as a sheep before his shearers is dumped. And he opened not his mouth by restraint, by judgment. He had been taken. The soldiers arrested him by restraint, by judgment he had been taken. And, and of his generation who doth even meditate that he had been cut off from the land of the living. By the transgression of my people, he was plagued. It is because of our transgression that he was plagued. And it appointed, and it appointed with the wicked his grave, and with the rich are his places. Because he had done no violence, nor is deceit in his mouth. And Jehovah had delighted. If this is in your Bible, you should be shouting for joy. Jehovah had delighted to bruise him. Why did God bruise him? So that you'll be healed. God was delighted to bruise him. 
He had made him sick. God made him sick. Why? God wants you well. He made his son to be seen so that you'll be righteous. He made him to be sick so that you'll be well. Period. It doesn't get simpler than this. Jehovah had delighted to bruise him. He made him sick. Why? If his soul don't make an offering for guilt, he sees seed, he prolonged days, and the pleasure of Jehovah in his hand don't prosper. It was God's, he gave God pleasure to smite him so that I'll be well, so that you'll be well. Can you imagine this kind of love? This kind of grace? This kind of mess? No, somebody wrote of amazing grace. That's what he's showing here. Now, let me read our benefit, your benefit. Because of all these things he did, here, here comes our benefit again. Your entitlement in Psalm 103, verse from, from verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, the all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Don't forget them. They are your benefits. When you walk in a company and they say these are your benefits, you don't beg for it. You just go collect them. It's your benefit. You go, they say, yeah, did you come? Okay, fine. Oh, this year you've been waiting. Time for your check. It's your benefit. Why? The Son of God paid for them with his life. Bless the Lord, O my son, forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? Why? God laid on him all our sins. He paid the price for it. Paid the penalties for it. All of it. Who forgives all my iniquities? Who heals all my diseases? Who redeems my life from destruction? Who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed by the egos? These are your benefits. Right now. Right now, your benefits now, not tomorrow, not next tomorrow. As I'm talking, these are your benefits. And all you can do is to stay appropriate and say, yes, Lord, thank you. That's my benefit. And remember, you don't receive by your body. You don't receive it by your intellect. Because by intellect, you'll be reasoning out, no. You receive it by your spirit. And your spirit knows that this is true. It has the witnessing of the Holy Spirit that this is yours. Praise the Lord. So I'm just urging you to take time. And begin to thank God for these things. After this, go to a one corner and begin to thank God for your benefit and say, Lord, these are really mine. Man, what, what Jesus died for, why shouldn't I take them? It's mine. I don't have to pay for them. Healing is mine. He carried my sicknesses. He bore my sicknesses, carried my pains. He was smitten for me, played for me. Even you, God, he was smitten of God so that I'd be well. You begin to thank God for them. You don't beg for benefit. You don't ask. Benefit is just yours. They are waiting for you to collect. Let us pray. Our precious Father, we just want to thank you for the privilege of hearing your word. We trust you, Lord, because it's your will for us to know the truth. And you want us well. You really want us well. Father, I commit these teachings into your hand that you help us to navigate and understand our identity as spirit being, born of God, born of God, that had the life of, him, of God in him. 
And it is through the spirit that you contact us. And your power is resident in this spirit. And you do all things according to that power that is resident. The spirit that is in us. Including our healing too. So, Father, I pray that you help us to be aware of the new man, of the new creation. That this is not Pentecostal jargon. This is reality. So we stop trying to contact you with our emotions, contact you with our body. A waste of time. Help us to stop trying to achieve righteousness. Paul said, wasted zeal. So we can just rely on Christ alone. On Christ, the solid rock will stand. All other grounds is sinking, sir. So that we can see the glory of God. We can experience your power, which you, you want us to experience. Nobody desires for us to experience you more than you do. Because you want our joy to be full. For you are a good father. Help us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.